You are listening to GospelBellsRadio.com, the Christian internet radio with a mission to engage the culture with the mind of Christ. Keep listening and invite others, too. God bless you. Engaging the culture with the mind of Christ. 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 GospelBellsRadio.com is a community of believers learning together, praying together, bearing one another's bodies, and engaging the culture with the mind of Christ. To listen to live programs, tune in to www.gospelbellsradio.com. God bless you. Hello, friends. My name is Deoni, and I love listening to GospelBellsRadio.com. I love listening to Gospel Bells Radio. My name is Muyuma Jimmy. Hello friends, my name is Olufumbi and I love listening to GospelBellsRadio.com. Learning together, praying together, bearing one another's burdens and engaging the culture with the mind of Christ. To listen to live programs, tune in to www.GospelBellsRadio.com. God bless you. GospelBellsRadio.com is a community of believers learning together, praying together, bearing one another's burdens, and engaging the culture with the mind of Christ. To listen to live programs, tune in to www.gospelbellsradio.com. God bless you. Hello, friends. My name is Olaolua, and I love listening to GospelBellsRadio.com. Hello friends, my name is Grace and I love listening to GospelBellsRadio.com Hello friends, my name is Afala B. Ajani and I love listening to GospelBellsRadio.com Hello friends, my name is Olaide and I love listening to GospelBellsRadio.com Learning together, praying together, bearing one another's burdens and engaging the culture with the mind of Christ to listen to live programs, tune in to www.gospelbellsradio.com. God bless you.
And oh yes, good mo- good evening. Good evening to you. Thank you so very much for tuning in to gospelbellsradio.com, your community Christian internet talk radio with a mission to engage contemporary culture with the mind of Christ. It's Sunday the 30th of July 2023 and it's time for another meeting of the Readers Club. We are gathered now again to continue our reading of that uh, wonderful allegory the pilgrim's progress by john bunyan yesterday we were here uh, reading that chapter on simple sloth and presumption and what a wonderful session we and what a wonderful session we had okay we're going to begin as we always do uh singing that hymn come with the love the lord and let our joys be known because we are marching to zion we are marching to zion and that's the that's our permanent hymn for this study so thank you all i see everybody there at gospelbestreading.com i also have uh in the virtual studio and i think we have just two members of the class now in the virtual studio thank you uh thank you so very much we missed you yesterday and thank you also right now in the uh in the virtual studio with us and for everybody at gospelbestreading.com yes we all can be part of this study you can use the whatsapp widget on our page okay let's sing together come we that love the lord and let our joys be known why because we are marching we are marching to zion let's sing together come we that love the lord and Song with sweet accord, join him a song. Jesus. 
Yes, we are marching to Zion, the beautiful city of God, and I pray the grace of God will take us safely home. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Okay, so uh, can I invite uh, Sister Domi Ajani to lead us in prayer? Are you able to lead us in prayer, Domi? Okay, yes, go Hello, ahead. Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Go ahead, please. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. Let us pray. Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Father, we thank you. We glorify your holy name. We thank you, Lord Jesus, because you are God. We thank you for your numerous blessings over our lives. We say, be thou exalted in Jesus' name. Amen. We thank you, Lord, for yet another meeting. We thank you for the way you have led us. Thank, we thank you, you for the wonderful book we have been reading. Father, continue to interpret it to us in Jesus' name. Amen. And everything that we'll be doing today, we commit into your holy hands. The more we read, the more you will show us your great and wonders in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Father, because you do much more for us. Amen. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so very much. God bless you. Very good. Okay, I'm going to invite us now to uh, open our microphones, and if you're at gospelbestudio.com, just read along the memory verses for this study, the three permanent memory verses. After that, I would like somebody to do uh, a quick summary of yesterday's chapter, Simple, Slot, and Presumption. So I'm minded to call, you know, Sister Bill Jessica, because with us yesterday, you made such fantastic contributions all through. So, Sister B, if you're available, get it, just uh, a quick summary. Uh, for that chapter, simple slot and presumption. Okay, are we ready now? Let's read those uh, memory verses, the three of them. Ready? Dearly beloved, Dearly I, beseech I beseech you, you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul. First Peter two eleven. These all died in faith. Not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, we are assured of them, embrace them, and confess that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Hebrews 11.13 Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Because and narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Matthew 7, 13 to 14. Exactly. There are few who find it. I think we are going to have use for this, uh, for this verse today as we read about formalist and hypocrisy. Okay, let's have a quick summary. Sister B, are you able to do that? 
Yes, but um, you may need to help me post it. I'm trying to okay to pull it up to pull that. Um, yeah. Okay, just just one minute. I'll, I'll try and do that now. Good, good. Simple slot and presumption. It just a. Uh, Okay, I believe you are, you have it now, right? Good. Okay. Okay, so yesterday we read um simple sloth and presumption. Yes. Um we read that um, Christian, no, that um, the writer saw in his dream Christian going on onwards, and um, he came to a valley where he saw three men fast asleep. Yes. And they had fetters upon their legs. Yes. That their yes. names were simple, bluff, and presumption. Yes. And um, he tried to wake them up. And that um, they were sleeping on top of a mast, and that they had the Dead Sea under them, a gulf which no bottom, what we normally call a bottomless pit, mm. something like that, yeah. And that it was waking them up and telling them that he will assist them to remove their fetters, and that um, they should be careful that the one that prowls around like a rally lion will devote them if care was not taken. Yes. And um, Simple replied him that he sees no danger. Mm -hmm. And Slot said, yet a little more sleep. And Presumption said every top must stand upon its own bottom, that they don't need his help. Yes. And they all lay down again. And Christian continued on his way. Whilst he continued, he was troubled to think that men in such danger would um, not regard the kindness which he so freely offered by wakening them and helping them to remove their fetters. Exactly. Exactly. Thank you very yeah. much. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> no, it does that we had a lot of deliberation concerning this. We had um, a lot of questions we answered. And um, we... We felt that um, in the course of our journey, most of us would have had a, a time that one or two or three of those um, characters, <laughs> how will I call it now, characters would mm. have manifested in our own lives. Exactly. And um, we need to be careful so that we are not or remain, we would not be or would remain simple slothful or presumptuous or presumptuous so that we'll be watchful prayerful careful we study the word and know it and balance it and um rightly divide it so that um we'll not be victims of e the enemy exactly exactly thank you very much yes I, I, and that's a summary of what we read yesterday about those three characters that christian made simple slot and prison simple saying look i'm looking with the with human sight and simply say look i see no danger why are you warning me i can't see any danger around slot saying 
Oh, maybe that is danger, but please let me just sleep a little bit more. And presumption saying, look, why would you uh, bother about me? Leave me, let me face my own uh, journey. You face yours. And we had so much to say about those three characters. So if you want to listen to yesterday's, yesterday's uh, meeting again, I think we have it on our site now. You can go there. You'll find the recording for yesterday's meeting. Now we are at this new chapter, Formalist and Hypocrisy. Uh, I did not tell... Uh, someone to read this ahead. So, uh, sister, let me see if you are available to read. It's not a long chapter. Uh, let me know if you can read right on the screen. It's on our screen. Yes. That's fine. Okay, thank you. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Should I go ahead? Yes, please. Okay. Formalists and hypocrisy. And as he was troubled about this, he spotted two men coming, come tumbling over the wall on the left side of the narrow way. They soon caught up to Christian and entered into conversation with him. The name of the one was formalist and the name of the other, hypocrisy. Christian asked, gentlemen, where have you come from and where are you going? Formalist and hypocrisy answered, we were born in the land of vain glory and are going to the celestial city for reward. Christian responded, why did you not enter in at the gates which stands at the beginning of the way? Do you not know that it is written that the one who does not enter by the gate but climbs up some other way, that person is a thief and a robber? Formalist and hypocrisy replied, to journey to the gate for entrance was considered too far away by all our countrymen. Besides that, our custom is to always make a shortcut and climb over the wall. Christian questioned, but will it not be counted as trespass against the Lord of the city where we are going to, this, to, to thus violate his revealed will? Formalist and hypocrisy told Christian that he need not trouble his head about this, for they had a tradition for what they were doing. And if need be, they could produce witnesses to it, showing that this has been done for many than a thousand years. But Christian said, will your practice stand a trial at law? They told him that their tradition, being more than a thousand years old, will doubtless be ad admitted as legal by any impartial judge. And besides, they said, if we get into the way, what does it matter how we got there? If we are in, we are in. You are in the way to the celestial city and you came in at the gates. And we are in the same way, and we came tumbling over the wall. So how is your condition any better than ours? Christian exclaimed, I walk by the rule of my master, but you are walking of your imaginations. You are accounted as thieves already by the lot of the way. Therefore, you will not be found to be true pilgrims at the end of the journey. You came in by your own way without his direction, and you shall go out by yourselves without his mercy. To this, they made but little answer. They only told Christian to pay attention to himself. Then I saw that they went on in their own ways without much conversation with one another, except that the two men told Christian, that has to laws and ordinances. They had no doubt, but they were they had no doubt, but that they were as careful to do them as he was. 
Therefore, said they, we do not see how you differ from us, except for that coat which is on your back, which probably was given to you by some of your neighbors to hide the shame of your nakedness. Christian answered, you cannot be saved by laws and ordinances, and you did not come in at the narrow gate. And as for this coat which is on my back, it was given to me by the Lord of the place where I am going. And just as you say, to cover my nakedness, I take this as a token of his kindness to me, for I had nothing but rags before. With this, I comfort myself as I go. Surely when I come to the gates of the celestial city, the Lord will recognize me, since I have his coat on my back, a coat which he gave me on the day when he stripped me of my rags. I have moreover a mark on my forehead, which perhaps you have not noticed, which one of my Lord's most intimate associates fixed there on the day that my burden fell off my shoulders. I tell you furthermore that I was then given a sealed scroll to comfort me by reading it as I travel along the way. I was also told to turn it in at the celestial gate as my authorization to enter. For you lack all these things since you did not enter in at the narrow gate. To this, they gave him no answer. They only looked at each other and laughed. Then I saw that they went on and that Christian walked on ahead, no longer talking to formalists and hypocrisy. He would ponder to himself sometimes sighing and sometimes content. Also, he will be often reading in the scroll that one of the shining ones had given him, which gave him refreshments. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. So that's the text for, for today, uh, titled Formalist and Hypocrisy. Essentially, we, we have uh, read here of two men finding themselves on the road of salvation, did I say finding themselves like tumbling in? They scaled the wall and joined Christian on the road to salvation. We all remember how Christian got on this road. He went through the narrow gate, he was pulled in by goodwill. Goodwill mentored him, or rather, pointed him to the house of the interpreter to be mentored. And then he found himself at the foot of the cross and he went on his way to, uh, to that road of salvation. If you recall, uh, that when we read that chapter of, on the cross, the writer said the walls of that road were named salvation. The walls of the road were named salvation. But now, after Christian had moved past the cross and continued on his journey, well, two men came tumbling over the wall, one of them hypocrisy, one of them formalists. Okay, now we're going to uh, go through some discussion questions just for us to further engage with this, with this text. But before we go on, let's read uh, some of the verses to ponder on. As we answer some of the questions below, we're going to uh, come back to these verses. Uh, let me request somebody to read uh, the first two verses to ponder on, John 10.1 and Galatians 2.16. Uh, if you are at gospelbestry.com, you can use the PDF on our page as well and scroll through it. You'll find those verses there. Uh, can someone please volunteer to read those verses to ponder on? The first two, John 10, 1 and Galatians 2. Okay, thank you. John 10, 1. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. Mm. Number two, Galatians 2.16 Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, 
but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even if we believe in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be, be justified. justified. Yes, thank you very much, Burnley. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. I'm going to go to the uh, first uh, discussion question today. The question is this. Is everyone in the church truly saved? What are the other ways people find themselves in the church other than through the saving grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Can we try to, I mean, can attempt to answer any of these questions, one of them or the, the two of them? Is everyone in the church truly saved? And what are the other ways that people find themselves in the church other than through the saving grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? So we know that, yes, you can, I mean, Many, many of us find ourselves in the church. And by saying the church, we are using the church to represent like the road of salvation. We find ourselves there because we believe in our Lord and Savior. Are there people who uh, find themselves in the church through some other ways? And of course, this is open to those who are at gospelbestradio.com. You can, you can type your answers as well. What are the other ways that people find themselves in the church, find themselves on the road of salvation? Uh, but... Uh, those who did not go through the the narrow gate or the cross, but they are there. I I want to say something. Yeah, but go ahead. <laughs> just trying. I'm just trying. So I just thinking about it right now. I feel like um, some people find their their way to the church and they're not truly safe. So I'll give an example. So let's yeah. say you you find your way to Christ because you went through a certain challenge in your life, right? And mm. because of that, you held on to that, but it's not like you're truly saved, but just because God helped you through that process. Mm. And so you held on to God, but deep down in you, you're not like truly saved. I don't know if that mm. applies, but that's what I think. No, no, no. I, I, I quite see your point. And, and when I was preparing, I did not, my mind did not even go there, but that's a valid point you made. Uh, some people who uh, find themselves in the church because of what they themselves uh, needed at that time. At that time, and, and I think there is biblical validation for what I've just said. Remember those uh, that Jesus fed, uh, who went to him and he fed them with bread, and then the next day they they went to him again. Jesus said to them, "Oh," and then he began to talk to them about salvation, the true uh, the true message, and uh, and they were not happy with it. And Jesus said, "Oh, because I fed you, that's why you came to me. Now I'm telling you the truth. Uh, you are not prepared to listen to that. I, I I totally agree with you. That's one other way that people find themselves." in the church, other than through the saving grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Yes, people will go to church wanting one thing in particular, praying for it, and they are just hoping, oh, in this church, uh, maybe I can get well, maybe from an ailment, or I can get provision. That's primarily why they are there. Hmm. That's absolutely correct, Bernley. Thank you very much. That's absolutely correct. Yes, any other well, one? Let's make it okay, go ahead. Yeah. Some some people are also born into the church. Exactly. Uh, by that, I mean that um, their parents were mm -hmm. Christians. So yes. it, to them, it's a religion. It's um, a way of life. That's where they were born. So they attend church every Sunday. Yes. Um, they're members of particular church. <laughs> exactly. And um, they even possibly serve in the church. Mm -hmm. But yet, they have not yet met with the Lord. They yes. do not have a personal relationship with Him. It is just a religion to them. Mm. 
Exactly. And that's absolutely correct. I had that in mind as well. Exactly. Those who uh, found themselves in the church because they were born there, that's all they've ever known. And uh, they just want to be upstanding members of the community. That's what good people do, you know. That was uh, good uh, members of the society do. They attend church. They are they're active in church. And some are even active in some ministries. Some people following their parents' uh, footsteps. If their parents were, say, uh, guild of stewards or ushers or altar servers or this or that or choristers, uh, they, do, they also do the same thing. And they... they feel that, oh, I'm carrying on the, the family tradition. I, 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 and that's so true that some people who are in church are just carrying on the family tradition. Look, we've always been there. My grandfather did this, my father did this, and it's just the right thing to do. That's so true. Okay, so we've identified two now. Uh, those, some people find themselves in the church because uh, they're actually looking for a solution to some pressing earthly problem. Some because they were born in that church. Uh, that's what their fathers and their forefathers uh, did. Okay, I'm talking about those who are in the church because of what their parents did or their uh, their, uh, their grandparents did. I, I want to take us back to a portion of the text where when Christian questioned formalists and hypocrisy. Okay, okay, I have it on the screen now. They told him that their tradition, being more than a thousand years old, would doubtless be admitted as legal by any impartial judge. Did you see that? So even in this text, you have formalists and hypocrisy referring to a tradition that goes back a thousand years. And there are so many people like that who can say, look, why are you doing this? I'm doing it because this is what we have been doing for a thousand years, maybe in my family or in this country or in this church. That's why we are here. That's why I come here every Sunday. Okay, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for this. I want to read this from, uh, from our WhatsApp page. It says, not everyone in church is saved. Some people find their way to the church because their parents force them or their parents have titles to protect. Exactly. So this is exactly echoing what we have just discussed. And But I love the, the uh, angle you have mentioned again, because their parents forced them. And that's another thing. Uh, we've been discussing those who find themselves in church because uh, they think, oh, let me just follow my parents. Some people have, were forced and they're just there. And then... We also have this. Why some people see it as a normal norm to go to church every Sunday without having a relationship with Christ? Exactly. Some people see it as a normal norm. How can, how can I just sit at home? It's the right thing to go to church on a Sunday. It's the right thing to, be, to belong to a church. Good, good. So we have about three now. Those who are in church because they need something. They, they need to get an earthly problem solved. Those who are in church... Uh, because they were born there, just because they were forced there, uh, some because uh, it's just the normal thing to do, just the right thing to do, to go to church on a Sunday. So what does this tell us? That when we're in church, not everyone is truly saved. Not everyone is truly saved. People find their ways through different means. And anyone... I, think the only uh, difference... God. I just want to ask you... You know, the question, yes. uh, all the people in the church, are they are uh, safe. And I want to say that even some clergy are not safe. Mm, which is, because many which is alarming. It's a profession. Exactly, as a profession. Exactly. You know, because, um, okay, they need money or something, they go to Bible college, and you know, anybody that goes to Bible school is now a, a pastor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I, and it's only God, it's only Christ. You know, that makes one a pastor. Mm -hmm. It's a calling. It's That's not that because I've been to 
uh, Bible school, according to Ephesians 4. So, but many people, because um, they, they see the glamour of the, clergy, of the clergy, they see, okay, let me hide under that cover. And they're not born again. Mm. They're not born again. Thank you very much. So, uh, so okay, you are bringing this perspective. That it's not what, um, okay. Go, go ahead, sorry, okay. go ahead. I just wanted to say, and I just wanted to add that yes, um, not everybody in church are truly saved because some some people are actually in church for social needs for network, mm. you know, and yeah. it's it's um, they try to you know go through the religious um, thing that yeah. they do, go to come to church every Sunday, but truly they are not saved. Hmm. Oh yeah, exactly. Business connection, yeah, that's true. For business connection, yeah, business that's connections, true. social connections, or because, yeah. In fact, let me tell you, I, I have a friend who once told me that, look, uh, Fabi, do, do you think I should change my church to like a bigger church? You know, uh, the network will be stronger. I'll make, I'll, I'll make, uh, I'll make friends with with more people. And I was saying to him, I said, ah, well, I mean, that that that's, that is the wrongest reason to want to change your church. Right, so you're absolutely right that the people who choose the church to attend based on whether they'll be able to make better connections and maybe land more business deals and and things like that. Uh, and I love that we're identifying more. Thank you uh, for that. So people are there for social reasons, for business reasons. Uh, some are even in the clergy, as uh, Mr. has said now, uh, for uh, for. Uh, for professional reasons, exactly. For professional, they just want to have something doing. That's what they want to do, not because uh, they have been called of God or they have actually been saved uh, by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Bali, you want to say something? Yes, just to add to what she said about how people are there for social reasons. Like, yeah. actually, have real life examples. Okay. I know of somebody who went this is like this is most this has to do with relationship who went to the church i i want to believe went to church because of his interest in a lady right mm. and after they got married or sorry when the relationship did not work out right mm. he later on we found out that this guy is a muslim like he Are switched back to being a muslim and we believed he was a christian for a very long time right but when the relationship did not work out with this lady he switched back to a muslim i actually had one uh, funny encounter about a guy who came and is like oh my friend said if i come to this church i'll find a girlfriend that was actually his pickup line right wow. so it's so <laughs> funny how people come into church for different reasons and something funny actually happened again today oh. so it's very funny so i was in church with a friend and we came out together and the next thing she's like oh look at this guy watch this person he literally comes to church to hunt for girls and i'm like oh she said that." She won't be surprised if at the end of the service you catch him that's always at the car park hunting for different girls. And do you know the funny thing is, I was just walking down to my car with her, and the next thing we see him talking to another girl, and it's <laughs> like that is what he does, like just every week with different girls and everything. So my point is, people go there for different intentions, and when you see them, you actually think um, they they are saved. Or mm -hmm. and funny enough, this guy was in front of us lifting his hand, praising. I'm not judging him fully, but like no, no, you're not judging him. You're, it, it, it's a right. Of, I mean, you have you're observed rightly. It's just, um, it's just that it's just what I also observe because me when she was telling me in church while the guy was praising she was like oh look at this guy look just look out for this person and it was like literally watching so in my mind i'm like why is she saying this about this guy but funny enough we came outside and it wasn't even it was less than 20 30 minutes and i see this guy also 
trying to talk to this girl and it, she had to tell the girl like hey cut it off cut it off cut it off cut it off and that one was saying the same thing to us mm. that that was what he was trying to do mm. right so it's just more about we being careful also exactly. because people come in for different reasons for different reasons um, relationships social anything yeah so I mean, thank you, for, thank you for for sharing those experiences, and and they are real, and we should be careful about that. Uh, if you recall that yesterday we were reading about the simple-minded person, the simple-minded person is the person who sees only with the eye of sight, does not see from the viewpoint of the Bible, does not see with the eye of faith. He looks around and says, oh, there's no danger. Again, this minded person, we just look at everybody and say, look, oh, everybody sings, everybody uh, raises uh, raises hands. I wanted to say holy hands, but not holy hands for everybody. Everybody raises hands up to God. Everybody prays. Everybody bows their head. Therefore, uh, I can I can lower my guard. Everybody is a Christian here. Yeah. That is not the way for to for... A prudent person to act. A prudent person must be able to uh, know the signs of those who are not uh, truly saved. Who are just in the church for those different reasons. We have here on WhatsApp, Mamiyoji saying some people found themselves in the church because of ceremonial days, e.g., naming their child or for their wedding. Exactly, you know. Uh, in this part of the world, some people join churches because they want to be able to have maybe a priest or a pastor name their children. Uh, they want to, in fact, some people join churches because they are planning to get married, you know, and they want to be able to marry that church, and then they join for a while, and then uh, they want to be able to join that church. So these are the people, I would say, who scaled the fence. People who did not come in through the narrow gate, who did not experience salvation, who did not get to the cross, but they are there either because it's a profession for them as clergy, uh, because there are business connections to be made, because they were born there, because they were forced there, because they had a pressing earthly need or physical need, and then uh, because you know they are looking for uh, for they have, they have material motives uh, such as what uh, Bolandi described earlier on. So you look at our second question, which is let us look at the text, and from this text, what are the indicators that someone in the church? has not had the salvation experience. And why is it important to know this? Because we have said this, but why is it important for us to know this, to know or to have some compass to uh, determining whether a person in the church has not had the salvation experience? How can we know these things? How can we know? How can we uh, know these things? For example, so we go through the text and you, you find right there that Christian... I question them, uh, where have you come from and where are you going? So we are born in the land of vainglory. We are going to the celestial city for reward. You see, they're going for it. There are people who are always like looking for, they, they, talk, they talk about salvation in terms of material things, tangible things, in terms of, of, of reward. I, I'm sure that Christian will not talk about his journey to the celestial, the celestial city in terms of reward. He probably talk about it in terms of Oh, meeting my savior, uh, being reunited with the one who saved me, things like that. But you know, uh, I think, and, and you can correct me if you disagree, is that you find that people who are not really saved, they're always thinking of salvation and the pre- and the Christian journey in terms of some tangible reward. You are going to get something, and I'm looking forward to it. I'm like, yeah, there's a there is a sense in which we look for a reward if you read Apostles Apostle Paul's epistle because it's, it's the reward uh, for everything we have done it for, but not uh, always focusing on material things in that uh, in that manner. And then Christian responds, "Why did you not enter the gate?" And they said, "Look, our custom 
is always to make a shortcut. When, when you find people talk about custom, things like that, and saying, look, this is how things are done. This is how it has been done. Uh, it is not always the case that they are not Christians, but sometimes you need to reflect and say, look, if you are always talking about oh the custom, the way things are done, if that's the only thing you are concerned about, uh, but then you should, be, you should be careful, and then you need to really make inquiry. Has this person come uh, truly to salvation? Uh, if you see any part of the text that gives an indication to how to identify somebody who is not really saved, yeah, you, you can do that. Uh, one of that part that comes out to me is when Christians question them, are you, not, are you not afraid that this will be trespassed against the Lord of the city? You know what they did, what they said to that? Don't trouble your head. Don't trouble your head. So uh, who wants to talk about that as an indication that somebody is not really saved? You tell that person, are you not concerned that this is against the Lord's will? And then you find the person responding like that. Because I think this is indeed one of the strongest indicators that somebody is not uh, truly saved. When you talk to people and tell them, look, are you not concerned that what you are doing is is wrong or is sinful or is against the word of God? And they come out, look, don't trouble your head. We, we, I think we won't discuss it yesterday a bit. Um, I praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I want to say that um, it's a very difficult thing to mm. be able to know yes. whether one is born again or not. In the sense that, you know, the rates of growth differs. True. A baby Christian, you know, might not behave as a mature Christian. Mm-hmm. And if one doesn't have the spirit, you know, ministering to one, it's a difficult thing. It's only God that knows. The heart of man is terrible. It's wicked. Mm-hmm. And a man can pretend for years. Mm. And, you know, a man can do all the things that Christians do. And yet, he's not born again. Born again. That's true. Might be at your fellowship, your prayer meeting. You, he might even lead the prayer. He might be in the choir leading. He might do anything. So it's only God that knows the heart. The Bible says God knows his own. Mm-hmm. But then there are some signs that actually show, you know, that oh, this person, there's, you know, that puts a question mark exactly. on the life of that person. Maybe by accident you just meet that person in a place where you shouldn't meet him or her. Mm-hmm. Or you see that person doing what he or she shouldn't be doing. Mm-hmm. Then there's a question mark in your heart. But then you can't even then finally say that this person is not born again. It's not born again. Unless God specifically tells you exactly. by his spirit. Exactly. Thank it's you. a very difficult thing. Yeah, uh, and I totally agree with you. It's very difficult because at the end of the day, only the Lord uh, knows those who are his. Uh, but the Lord also said to us that by their fruits, you will know them. So we can only pray that yes. the Lord will reveal to us uh, those fruits if the Lord wants us to maybe engage with them in prayer or in in uh, in, in praying for them. In praying for, okay, but Ali, do you want to say something? Yes. Go ahead. I just wanted to add to what she said. Like, she's right that you can't actually know um, the mind of everyone. But also, there are some people that you might be able to tell probably when you draw closer to them, their character can show that. Mm. Also, if um, by we studying our Bibles, like true discernment, we can know, okay, 
is this the right way or not? And yeah. you'll be able to tell, okay, if someone that is really saved and claims this and that shouldn't do certain things or shouldn't react or accept certain things. So um, I, I support what she has said because mm. it's it's difficult. Even most times we that we are saved to, we tend to also display some characters that we show that, oh, that we shouldn't do exactly. Yeah. Right. So, but in order to be able to tell some of it would be more of the character also by, um, true, true reading our Bible. Mm. It's easy for us to tell what is right and what is wrong. What is wrong. And, um, we can descend from that also. Yeah, exactly. Thank you very much. I, I, and I fully agree with the two of that it's difficult to know. And that's why there is a read out to that question. Why is it important to even know? Why is it important for us to know? Uh, I don't know if anybody wants to answer that question. But from the things we have said right now, I'm looking at the text. And I'm saying that for if you find somebody who always makes light of the word of God, always makes light of what God has called sinful, that's an indication Maybe not necessarily that the person is not saved, but most likely that the person is not saved. But in any case, that the person needs uh, further discipleship. And that is why it is important to know, even in the body of Christ, whether people are truly saved. So in this, play, in this, in this text, Christian said to them, oh, are you not concerned that you are trespassing against the law of the Lord of the city by, by climbing in through the wall? Say, look, don't worry. Don't worry yourself about that. That's no big deal. We've been doing this forever uh, in our city. They, so people like that, they make light of what God has called sin. I'm not concerned that this is wrong. That's what the Bible says. Don't, don't, don't worry your head about that. And, and we discussed that yesterday, you know, when we were engaging with that, uh, with that, with that, with that slang. It's not that deep. People say, look, it's not that deep. Don't disturb yourself. It's not that deep. And then in another part of the text, Christian was saying to them that uh, that look, you should have gone through the proper. Look, it does not matter how we got here. The important thing is that is that we are here. So people like that, they make light of what the Bible says. They don't really pay attention to it, and they they just make light of it, or they even ridicule it. And then and then they're in the church. They just ridicule it. That's always a clear pointer that this person has not really become humbled before the Lord. So we're asking now, wh- why is it important for us to know? Uh, that somebody has not been truly saved. Why is it important? Oh, um, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. There, there are examples in the Bible. If we look at Acts, there's a, a guy, Elimax. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Peter preached. He believed he was baptized. It was when he offered money to buy the power. Mm. That even Peter himself knew. <laughs> but he wasn't really saved. Yes. And the same thing in Acts 16. The girl with the divination power. Mm-hmm. You know, the Bible said, followed Paul and Silas for a few days. And it was the right thing. See, these are the men that God has sent to bring us salvation. Mm. And it, she was correct. Until a few days later. Something just happened, um, I believe, spirit of discernment to Paul and Paul said, you and rebuke that spirit. And that's what put them in prison and things like that. So it's, um, may the Lord give us wisdom and spirit of discernment to be able to know who is who. Who is who, exactly. Thank you, Ma. The spirit of discernment. And it's important to know who is who. One, because uh, there may be people who uh, who need better discipleship in the church. 
and uh, the Lord, of course, that's one of the reasons why he has placed his people there in the church. So uh, you may need to uh, to do more discipleship for people. Second is that uh, because you don't want to be led astray. If you read, if you read Second uh, Second Timothy uh, three five, find Second Timothy three. The apostle writes to Timothy, say, "Look, in the in the last days, uh, perilous times will come. You find people like this, like this, and then he mentioned those who have a form of godliness, but they deny its power." And, and, and you see that trait in formalists and hypocrisy. People who, well, they are on that godly road, but they, they are denying his power, the power of godliness. They are denying that the scripture is binding on them. Are you not afraid you are trespassing? No, no big deal. Don't bury your head. Uh, so I think it's important to know whether the people we are fellowshipping with, those who, who claim to be uh, to have been saved, it's for us to know, to want to know, whether they are saved, to pray for discernment so that we know whether we can, we can, whether there are opportunities for further discipleship and then so that we ourselves are not corrupted or led astray. Imagine uh, thinking that somebody that you are fellowshipping with is truly saved and then you trust that person's opinion, you trust that person's teachings. Uh, you know, uh, you mentioned uh, even members of the clergy who may not be saved. Imagine that and then uh, you consider whatever that person says to be, to be the gospel truth. If you don't have a compass to know, if you don't have a compass to at least make some, um, have some indication as to the uh, salvation of that person, that would be really, really dangerous. And I think that's what our Lord warned against when he, he spoke to us about false prophets over and over again, saying like Matthew seven fifteen, beware of false prophets uh, who, who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Uh, these are false prophets. They pretend to be on the way, on the salvation road, but they are not actually there okay thank you also very much uh for the okay i have this on whatsapp again saying okay i want to read it out anyone would thank you very much man for joining us she has written here saying anyone who trivializes things of eternal value hmm. or has little or no worries about sins that easily beset us or someone who considers that spiritual affairs are limited to the church and business matters are business without consideration for biblical guidelines, are most likely not saved, but church commerce. Hmm. Thank you so much. I agree. Anyone who trivializes things of eternal value, anyone who has little or no worries about sins, anyone who considers that spiritual affairs are limited to church and business matters are limited to business, and such people are likely not saved. Exactly. And that's the right expression, as Mauricio Mito has said, that we should be saying not likely not saved because maybe we cannot stand in the, in the place of judgment in court, but uh, there are fruits that our Lord has asked us to look out for. And those fruits are important for us to look out for. We need to look out for those fruits. It is, it is the path of wisdom. It will be, uh, be, be simple-minded of us not to look out for those fruits, not to bother uh, knowing. And, and I think markers have been placed on the road for, uh, for all of us there. Okay. Thank you. You can feel free to draw us back anytime. As I go to the third question, what made formalists and hypocrisy so certain of the reliability of their approach? Just look at the text and try to answer. What made them so certain of the reliability of their approach? They scaled the wall and joined Christian on the road to salvation. But when Christian approached them, what do you think you are going to make it all the way to celestial city? What did they say? What did they say? Something important. I just wanted to reflect on it briefly. What made the two of them so certain of the reliability of the approach? That look, what we are doing is oh, is is a well tested uh, approach. Thank you, Doctor Gwale. I see you joining us now. We are glad to have you. 
Thank you, Brother Femi. Good, good. <laughs> so if, if, if you take time to, to look at that text, and uh, there is something there, has anybody found it? What formalists and hypocrisies said to Christian after Christian said to them, that well, okay, he said, Will your practice stand a trial at law? Meaning that, look, okay, Mr. Bearden, do you want to say something? Yes, I was just going to say that um, um, after he asked them that question, they told him that their tradition, mm -hmm, exactly. which is more than a thousand years old, exactly, that has be admitted as legal by any impartial judge, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what they said. Because look, we your practice start a trial at law. But let's even look at that question that Christian asked. Is that going to be a trial at law for, for pilgrims? Pilgrims, when we get there, when we get to the celestial city, will that be a trial at law? Not a trial, formal trial, but will that be a form of examination before we enter the uh, before we enter the, uh, the, the celestial city? And I think that's the point Christian was trying to make. And that's something we should not gloss over here. They said, we, that, we used to, with all these things you're trying to do. We least stand the trial at law. They said, Of course, yes. mm -hmm. exactly. Yes, um, because there's so, so many people that believe that there are many ways mm -hmm. to enter heaven, that it's not only through our Lord Jesus Christ, exactly. Some believe that, um, um, they are all, we are all children of Abraham. And that it's just our way of expressing it that is the same. That that is that different. We all have the same heritage, and like, that we are serving the same God, just mm. in different ways. Just in too different. many people believe it, and they've been believing it for years. Mm. Christians, some Christians even still believe it too. Exactly. Uh, Muslims and Christians are the same. That we're all children of Abraham. Exactly. And that, um, some people mix it. They read Psalms. They pray. You know, mm -hmm. they do what we call Chrislam. Chrislam. Mix everything together. Mix with Islam. Because they believe that we're serving the same God and that um, either way or both ways would get us to heaven. Yeah. And I, I, um, we I find out that it's not true because not true. we have been told that there's only one way, which is Jesus and the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes no to the Father. can't go through God through any other way but through Jesus. So... Definitely, if that may be called um, standing a trial at law, mm -hmm. who did you come through? Who did you come matters through? Matters at the end of the day. Exactly. To uh, either to inherit in, um, eternity with God. Is Jesus or no one else? No one else. Every other person is a thief. Mm -hmm. Like our Lord Jesus Christ said, they are all, all thieves. They are all thieves. And it's only him that is the, is the door. Yes. Absolutely. Thank you very much. And, and I love that you referenced John 14, 6 there. A lot of the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. Uh, would that be a, a sort of trial at law? Would that be a sort of asking questions just before people are admitted? Uh, Revelations, uh, Revelation 20, 15, that's number four on our verses to ponder. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, it was thrown into the lake of fire. So uh, there would be uh, an examination of sorts there to see uh, at that point is this person's yeah. name uh, in the book of life? It will be uh, it, that question will be asked. Uh, Sister Tawunga saying, I don't think so because for you to make it to the celestial city, it means your works here 
have been tried and you have been judged worthy of your works. Okay, so this is an opinion. Uh, as I was saying that, I don't think there will be a trial at law because for you to even make it to Celestia City, it means that your work has been has been found worthy. But you know, this figurative in this work, uh, this uh, this work of fiction, is talking about making it to the gate of the Celestial City. A gate of the Celestial City, and then you are asked, uh, well, is this? It's talking about the day of judgment, basically. Everybody will make it. The gate of the celestial city is like judgment, getting there and for the Lord of the city to determine who comes into this place or who goes into the into the into the other place. And uh, those questions will matter at that time whether you have been watched. Okay, I want us to quickly read uh, this. No, bro, me. Okay, go. Okay, bro, me. yeah. Maybe I should just say that. I mean, you know, when I when I read issues like this mm. whether in a book or maybe someone is preaching i mean i just feel so i feel so blessed mm. that i've truly come to know the lord jesus yeah. as my personal lord and savior and that i am not afraid to ask myself those questions mm. as i journey along yeah the question of whether I am on the path, whether I'm still in the faith, whether the things I am doing will stand the test of mm. all time. Yeah. Uh, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, that for we all shall stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Yeah. So for a believer to say, well, I have become born again and all that is left is for me to show up and everything will be all right. It's part of the picture, but it's not the entire accurate picture. picture. Yeah, that's true. The accurate picture is that even the believer will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, there is the seat of grace, the throne of grace. Mm -hmm. Hebrews chapter 4 tells us that is what we are before now. But that throne of grace will cease and it will become a throne of judgment. Now, if you look at that Revelation chapter 20, the great white throne judgment is meant for unbelievers and those who might become the tribulation saints. Those of us who had been caught up in rapture and the dead in Christ would arrive with Christ when he will be coming for that judgment, that judgment experience. If you look at the arraignment of Revelation, we would have been taken up with him and would have joined his host on his coming down to earth. Meaning that we would have had our own evaluation at a point. Absolutely. So exactly and is that evaluation that that, that will be emphasized at all at all at all times? And we must emphasize it because. It is lack of an understanding of that evaluation that leads many to jump over the wall and say it really does not matter. It doesn't matter ah, exactly. But it will then matter. You see, in that script, I mean, in that passage, the uh, Christian was asking, "Will he stand the trial at law?" At law, yeah. That it's not going to be the law of Moses. Romans chapter 8 gives us another law called the law of the spirit of life. 
in Christ Jesus. And that will be the standard by which all actions and thoughts will be evaluated. So if a man lives according to the traditions of the flesh, according to the traditions of the self-life for a thousand years, when those traditions come to the law of the spirit of life, they will be meaningless and of no moment before the judge. Mm -hmm. It is critical for us to understand that we all, not only unbelievers, shall stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And what shall we be doing there? He says we shall give account of the things that we did in our bodies, whether they be good or bad. Or bad yeah. In 1 Corinthians 3, he says every man's work will be tested By with fire. fire. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we need as believers to constantly examine ourselves. Paul was telling the Corinthians, he said, examine yourself whether, you are, still in the whether you are still in the faith. The reason is human traditions and traditions of self-life can make us jump over the wall at one point in the journey. Mm -hmm. And we deaden our consciences by admitting to ourselves that it does not matter. Finally, the Bible says, he that endures to the end shall be saved. Shall be saved. Meaning that at the point of being born again, we are saved. But there is an enduring after that to an end. And that end is the trial that we are talking about. When that man will be rated and it will be considered whether he has truly endured to the very end. And he did not succumb to jumping over a wall in the middle of the journey. I pray God help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you very, thank you very much. And I, and, I, and I love that analysis there. And we're going to see further how our own evaluation or judgment will differ. You have mentioned it, but something that makes it even uh, differ from that of the unbeliever, which is something that Tutu was trying to allude to. But I thank you very much, Doc, for that analysis. I want to read this again uh, on WhatsApp. This, thank you, Ma, for joining us. This was she said, I think ignorance of God's standard uh, makes the two, that is formalist and hypocrisy, have the assurance that they can make it to heaven. Exactly. Ignorance of God's standard. The Bible says, names written in the book of life will justify our entry into the celestial city. Some people also believe that human approval is God's approval. So the present-day church's verdict of individuals seems to be an assurance of admiss admissibility into heaven. More so, God hardly exposes our secret sins, expecting us to change, so we tend to believe that we are saints. Hmm. Thank you very much, man. And, and this is a loaded, loaded uh, comment that you have made. Uh, that people also believe that human approval equals God's approval. And that's something we should, we should pay attention to as well. As long as, well, people see me well, I'm well uh, regarded here. Maybe that means God is, God is uh, that, maybe that means I'm in good standing uh, because uh, God hardly exposes our secret sins, expecting us to change. Thank you so very much for that. So I think what we can take away from this is that we need, uh, even we don't need to wait until we need to continually examine ourselves so that we are still in the face. And uh, this is something that should be evaluated over and over again. I uh, remember that parable of, of the wedding guests. I think we have it here. I think it's number uh, number 12. Uh, when the king would, the, the wedding banquet, and say, who are those people without, who are not in the right uniform? And then he would send them out. He would send them out uh, to uh, uh, to everlasting everlasting uh, destruction now uh, look at number four 
formalists and hypocrisy mentioned that their custom was to always make a shortcut. That's what they said. Look, look, it's our custom in this place to always take shortcuts. What are some of the shortcuts that Christians employ nowadays to achieve spiritual objectives? And how can we discern uh, between genuine steps and deceptive shortcuts in our Christian world? What are some of those shortcuts that people employ now for spiritual objectives? Uh, formalists and hypocrisy, look, what we always do is just to employ shortcuts and, and, and we get by. And we get by. Yes, go ahead. Do you, do you want to say something? Yeah, can I say something? Yeah, go yeah. ahead. Yeah, something just popped up to my mind just now, and um, mm. pertaining to the shortcuts believers feel that um, uh, maybe they can get approval mm. from God. Some of it that just popped out in my mind was, um, you know, when some believers feel if they have um, like twenty-one days fasting, mm. forty days fasting. Mm-hmm. And um, when you do this kind of um, exercise, okay, you feel that, oh, this is um, my admission into heaven. Oh, yes. if, I can, if I can fast for this long, oh, I'm number one in the book of life. I'm, my name is written and I'll be able to. So I feel that um, these are shortcuts or maybe like um, a kind of tradition that we just find ourselves to do and um, people do it. But not really being saved. Not being saved. I hope I was able to make something. Out no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yes, you did. You did. And that's some of the things that I'm hoping that we'll be able to mention there. You know, the things that we do and just things that are that that are clearly designed to assuage our own conscience, or that that would make us suppose that well, if I do this, then God should be pleased with me. You know, God should help me. Especially uh, that person who mentioned earlier on that some people are. are on the road of salvation they're in the church because they need something like an earthly need from god and it keeps saying maybe if i give uh, this money maybe if i you know participate okay they, they call for a hundred day fast or 50 maybe if i do it uh, god, god would then be pleased with me and then maybe when they are praying they may not uh, put it into words but then in the air they are saying to god ah you know i i i did that fast and I was faithful. I was faithful uh, in that fasting. I gave this gift, or I attended all these programs. They may not be bold enough to stay, to to say that to God's face, but in the end, they are wondering, "Why is he not answering me? I've been doing these things, or I've been doing that." Then uh, it should uh, I should be acceptable before God. And what uh, uh, Mommy said here, thank you, Ma, for this. You know what you said earlier on that sometimes human approval. So we just seek human approval. Look, uh, let me do things right so that in this church, in this community, they know me as somebody uh, who is of good standing. And then. Uh, and then, yeah, then God, I will be acceptable before God. Okay, thank you, Tutu, for writing this. He said, contracting prayer and fasting, exactly. So people even go to this of contracting prayer and fasting. Maybe you go to some people and say, look, uh, please join me in prayer and give them money. Fast uh, for me. Giving to the church as a way to please God or justify evil acts, exactly. So uh, thank you, Tutu, for saying that. Hmm. Yeah, bro, Femi. Mm-hmm. I like that. Sorry. I like that bit about mm. contracting prayer. <laughs> but I can even say that those who do that, mm. they, are, they are quite uh, uh, serious in a way. Mm. Now, the one that I find more challenging mm. is somebody who actually does the praying himself, believing that that prayer will make God happy, but lives an ungodly life. Exactly. So what do they do? I was preaching somewhere at a night vigil, mm. very strange. 
and uh, it was a men's vigil. This man was there from the time I got there till the end. So when we had preached for some time, in fact, that day God gave grace, I spoke for a while. And it was time to pray. As I wanted to lay hands upon this brother, I heard the Lord say, lay hands suddenly on no man. Mm. I said, what's that now? So I didn't lay hands on it, and I let him be. So after the meeting that morning, mm. the brother approached me, <laughs> and he said to me, he said, well, sir, I have some issues to discuss. One, I'm actually a, a lottery uh, uh, operator. Okay. And my pastor does not know. That's the business I do. Imagine. Secondly, my plan was to go to my girlfriend after this video. And I was thinking, is it possible for a man who will be going to his girlfriend to attend a video? How can you bring the two together? together? But he told me, he said that was his plan. But having listened to the word of God and having had an encounter, he would not go to his girlfriend anymore that Saturday. Can you imagine? He came probably for to the night video mm. to pray so that he will anchor God on his side. Exactly. But by morning, he will proceed directly to... in the opposite direction. Mm. So he was trying to achieve an objective, which was to get God on his side. Yeah. And then he was living a life by shortcut, thinking that that shortcut of prayer will get God on his side while he lives a, a godless and godless. Uh, unacceptable life. Mm. I mean, we have heard of those who would say, okay, I engage in prostitution, but God will not refuse my tithe. At least with that, he will manage that. Yeah. Shortcuts. I mean, yes, shortcuts. When God is asking for you, exactly. the long course is you can no longer be a prostitute. He doesn't need your money. He wants you so mm -hmm. that you will no longer be a prostitute. I say, no, God, take the money. Let me remain a prostitute. And it will not work. Hmm. It will not work. It will not work. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. That's so telling, really. Okay, go ahead. Sir. Go ahead. Sir, yes, I want to say that, you know, tradition is man-made. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's like human approval. Lately, Christianity and tradition are sort of working, you know, at par. Mm. What is left of um, the, a Christian who has this Holy Spirit you know, to self-evaluate, you know, and to um, let the Holy Spirit convince, convince you. Mm. You know, when you're self-evaluating as a Christian, you, you check yourself. You think, okay, if this sermon was preached today, you don't point fingers. You just look at yourself. At yourself. You self-evaluate. Yes. At yourself. And a believer, like, you know, Christian could see that um, formality and hypocrisy were not going to go far. Mm. You know, he knew it because... You know, Christian had gone through it miraculously. Yeah. He had a burden on his back. Yeah. You know, he had that thrown at him. You know, he, he knew what he went through to get to the cross. And that was why when he got to the cross, he was in tears. He knew what it, you know, you know what it takes. Yeah. What it takes. Remember when he saw the professor, that the professor was depressed, he was sad. Because yeah. the professor knew what it takes to get to that far. Yeah everything on the you know you know getting stock stock up you know was very depressing for him so um formality and hypocrisy they can only get make, make shortcuts but christianity said you know the robe on my back when you get there how will you 
what will you say? You know, there are some points in life that you get to as a Christian that you will be able to know that if I've not gone through some issues, mm. I can't stand as a Christian. True. You know, you won't, you know, somebody that um, has short cuts or, you know, they can't, they can't just, you can't, they can't be at par. Mm. So for me, tradition, I think, is man made and um, Christianity is self evaluation. It's a process. Yeah. Self evaluation. In fact, anybody who is not, uh, who does not continue in self-examination uh, is not somebody who is uh, who uh, who is listening to the Holy Spirit. I will say that. Remember the prayer of 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 David in Psalm one thirty nine. After that beautiful beautiful psalm, he ended it by saying, uh, "Let me just quickly read it." Saying, "Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, and know my anxieties, and see if there's any wicked way in me, and lead me." In the way everlasting. That's uh, that, that's that's the a Christian's prayer. A Christian who has the Holy Spirit will always be led to pray that. Because they're always examining everything you do, everything you say. And I think anybody who is connected to that type of self-examination will not get into that situation that uh, that uh, Doctor Gwale just described. You know, you are doing this, you are going to church, but you already have a plan to do something totally unacceptable to God and you know it so well that's so totally un- unacceptable to God but you think short well if I go there and I do this and I participate in church work well I- I've done my deeds I've offered you know I've given to God what is is not not realizing that what belongs to God is actually all all of us not just uh, not just the money not just some of our time not just uh, some of our resources may God continue to help us in Jesus name amen uh, now, that question number five, where the formalists and hypocrisy said, they said, if we get into the way, what does it matter how we got there? Does it matter how one got on the road of salvation? We've answered some of that question. Does it matter? Uh, number one, it matters because Jesus has proclaimed that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So it matters uh, that one uh, goes through Jesus Christ to get on the road uh, to the celestial city. It also matters because there will be that evaluation if a person's name is not written in the book of life, that person will not be admitted uh, into the kingdom of God. It matters because, again, we talk about the weight and the test. Remember that parable? And our Lord had said, when they t- said to our Lord, should we approve the uh, the uh, the test and throw them? I said, no, leave yes. them. Exactly. He said, leave them, leave the book. Leave the book. But the time will come when there will be a separation, right? So it does matter how we get on that road. Uh, the question I want us to focus on, and Doc, you're welcome to congratulate everybody. Uh, what is the quote that formalists and hypocrisy observed on Christian? And what is the importance of that quote? Uh, that they, they observed a quote on it, and I want to read that passage, and it's a passage that we should not gloss over at all. You know, after they had that argument back and forth about whether they ought to have taken uh, the narrow gate to come in, and then they said, look, there's no difference between us. We keep all the laws. You two, you are, you are a good person. So it said, there's no difference between us. And then they themselves now said this. I want to read it out from the text. I uh, hope I find it. If you find it before me, just read it. Okay, I think I'm there. Okay, and besides, they said, if we get into the way, what does it matter how we got there? If we are in, we are in. You are in the way to the celestial city, and you came in at the gate, and we are in the same way. We came tumbling over the wall. How is your condition different from ours? Then they told Christian, they said, look, we do not see how you differ from us, except for that coat, which is on your back, which probably was given to you 
by some of your neighbors to hide the shame of your nakedness. So they also saw a difference. See, we are the same thing. We keep the law. We do the right things. We are we are in good standing in the community, even in the church. You also, you are in good standing. There's no difference. Except, well, you have these quotes. Anyway, you have this quote. Remember that quote was given to him at the foot of the cross. Uh, who wants to say something about that? What is the importance of that quote? That garment, yeah. You know, this, uh, the book Pilgrim's Progress mm. is a, an exercise in self-examination. Yeah. So sometimes I don't even want to look at the quote uh, through the eyes of another man's experience compared with mine. Mm. I want to look at the quote by evaluating my life before I came to understand the righteousness of Christ mm. and when I carried on with my own righteousness. Yeah. See, and so I leave everybody out and I'm going to present myself to, to, to the house. Yeah, good. There was a time that I was living the Christian life in the rags of my own righteousness. Mm. I lived by laws, I lived by stipulations. I lived, in fact, by decree. Tell me, you recall, you recall years ago in secondary school, mm. to overcome our restlessness, we were told to fast for seven days. You remember? Yes, yes. Yes. Because we were restive young men, mm-hmm. and our leader felt we needed to break that, that, that extreme energy. Yeah. And we fasted. But after the fast, did we not return to our restiveness? <laughs> it did. We did. That was the life I knew for years. And I was born again, as Brother Femi would attest to. Until I came to a point when I understood that a coat was given to me different from the rags that I was planning to wear on myself. And that coat is the righteousness of Christ. In Isaiah chapter 66, we see a beautiful parallel. Yeah. Chapter 66. Yeah. yeah. Robot salvation. Yeah. What of righteousness? Uh, in Isaiah chapter 66. Yeah. The Bible says, He that killeth an ox, verse 3, is as if he slew a man. Mm. He that sacrificeth a lamb, as if he cut off a dog's neck. He that offereth an oblation. Now, all of these things are traditions and uh, and formalities, mm. and they are not acceptable to God at all. He that offereth an oblation as if it offered swine's blood. He that burneth incense as if he blessed an idol. I said, ah, all these great things that should please God. God said, I don't have anything Any to do with them. with them. All our righteousness... They are like filthy rags. And that was the, the, the parallel drawn between what he was wearing before, the filthy mm, rags. Exactly. And then the cloak that was given to him, the coat that was given, it, given to him, the righteousness of Christ. Let me end it this way. That that coat is that righteousness that only God gave us as a gift. So much so that when we engage in self-examination, we don't draw a conclusion that I think I'm fine. No, mm-hmm. no. We draw a conclusion that I shall continue in the righteousness okay. that I was given. Exactly. Not that I can have 
that I was given. It is a gift. Exactly. If I depart from it in my carelessness or in my mistake, I return to it. It is a possession that I was given. It yeah. is a gift. Exactly. I do not desire something else. I do not explore something else. I live my daily life in that quote. Now, when I get to heaven, there is no other thing I can give as evidence that will be enough. Mm. And there is nothing I could have done in error that that righteousness will not stand to deliver me from. So even if in my journey, I made errors of judgment and I committed sins, when I confess them, I will never wear rags again because mm -hmm. it is only the coat that I was given that God will forever see upon me. Exactly. It's such a great deliverance. And I thank God for that blessedness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And thank you for sharing that uh, personal experience with us. I need that is the experience of many of us as well. I uh, must come to the place where the only uh, the only plea you have is the righteousness of, of Jesus Christ. And that's the difference between Christian and formalists and hypocrisy. Whereas formalists and hypocrisy uh, kept talking about how they kept the rules and they are good members of the society. Christian did not say anything about, uh, you know what, I discovered that the city will be destroyed. I left them all. I left everything. I got on the way and I've not done this. I, I rejected this. I he resisted this no uh, knowing that uh his righteousness uh the only righteousness he has is the righteousness that one given to him in the form of that coat covering his shame and nakedness and, and they were trying to taunt him they said look the only difference between us is that you have this coat this funny coat you have on maybe your neighbors gave it to you to cover your nakedness and he said to them indeed it was given to me by my lord to cover my nakedness he admitted that and that's the truth because as Doc just reminded us there, uh, the righteousness, our own righteousness is as the best of it, as filthy rags before God. Uh, uh, unless the uh, filthy rags are removed and then replaced with the, uh, with the garment of Christ's righteousness, uh, we will be as, as beggars, as beggars wandering, wandering around. Uh, thank you very much for everyone contributing on WhatsApp. Mami Oji saying the quote is approval of the mercy and grace of God. And indeed, the righteousness of Christ is, uh, is God's mercy. Uh, is God's mercy. Okay, now let's look at the last two questions. They are mainly rhetorical questions, questions meant for us to reflect on. The first one, directed at the people, uh, other people in the fold of Christ. Do you know anyone in the mold of formalism and hypocrisy? And I suppose that many of us, I must have come across people like, even as I read this, my heart went out to certain people that I know who are good people. I actually respect them for their industry. I respect them for their integrity. But every time we talk, I find that they keep talking about, look, ah, uh, Mr. Femi, I don't do all these things, so I just do what is right, you know? And we say, what are you doing about their situation? Or rather, what should we be doing about their situation if we come across people like that? Very quickly, can we have contributions? Very quickly. Uh, if you know anyone, if you come across anyone in the mold of former, of Mr. Formalist and Mr. Hypocrite, these people who uh, do not appear to have had a, an encounter with God, but really, there are people you should admire because maybe they are excellent at what they do, uh, you find no fault in them in terms of their standing, uh, integrity-wise, etc. What should we be doing about their situation? Yeah. Um, show me what is this something? What should we be doing about their situation if you come across people like that? If you know them, people uh, like that. Uh, I do not know about your case, but I know about the couple. I know that, and my heart went to them as I 
I read these 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 texts. I think one of the most important thing is to uh, to keep them in our prayers. We are praying that the Holy Spirit will actually reach out to them uh, and bring them uh, to the knowledge of, of God's saving grace. One of the uh, most difficult people to witness to uh, would be somebody who uh, who is actually making an effort to do what is right in this world, you know, uh, but who has not realized that uh, the righteousness acceptable to God is the righteousness of Christ. Okay, we have uh, uh, under the verses to ponder uh, a, a portion from Matthew. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter into the kingdom of heaven. There is no human righteousness that will take anyone into heaven. So even if it surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, who tried all their, you know, their powers to keep all the laws, no human righteousness will get you to heaven because those who think that human righteousness will take them into heaven, there are people who don't truly understand the holiness of God. If you truly understand how holy God is, you will know that there is no human righteousness uh, that will qualify you to go to heaven. And that is that is the way to engage with people like that, to let them understand the holiness of God. What God demands is much more than keeping of the laws or any form of human uh, human righteousness. And more importantly, we should be praying for them. If you know any such person, you should be praying for that person. Yeah, Brother Femi, thank you for raising the matter of prayer. Mm. Uh, and it's one of the greatest uh, elements of the Christian life yeah. to, to be humble when we look at other people. Yeah. So it is that humility that we help us realize that first we must take them to the altar of grace. Yeah. That we are not in a hurry to intervene in another human being's life. Yeah. Who are we really? Mm-hmm. Let's not be in a hurry. Let us spend time. Yes, I agree that the soul of a man in terms of the eternal salvation of that soul is an urgent matter. Yes, I agree. But please, let us be humble enough to understand that only their maker can engage in that intervention. Absolutely. So we take them to the altar of grace. Exactly. And we say, Lord, these are your people. We bring them to you. And then God will give us the word to publish to them. Because if we run ahead of ourselves, we might just be hitting just uh, a solid wall. Exactly. But when we allow the Lord to go ahead and break up the fallow ground, we will not sow among thorns. Mm-hmm. And just a minor thing you raise, we begin to redirect their eyes yeah. to the light from heaven that is brighter than the sun. Absolutely. Can you imagine if the Lord had not gone ahead to deal with a soul of Tassos? What would an Ananias have been able to do? Absolutely nothing. It would have been difficult. So I pray God will just help us in these matters. Amen. Amen. Exactly. So we proceed in prayer, and then the Holy Spirit will now lead us into all things, including how to engage with people uh, with people like that. And uh, one other thing to note is that it is a Christian thing to be burdened, to have a burden in your heart for people who... I've not come to know the Lord. You have to have that burden for in your heart. When you know people like that, you have to have a burden. That burden should lead you to the place of prayer. And the Holy Spirit will, will take the lead. As Doc has said, thank you very much. And then finally, how did you how did you get on the road of salvation? How did you get there? And this is what the Holy Spirit wants each one of us to uh to uh, to to a question that we should answer, which we examine. And what do you hope to give as your claim to enter the celestial city? We know what the answer is, but uh, let 
each one of you examine himself, examine herself, whether he or she uh, is still in the faith. What do you hope to give as your claim to enter the celestial city? Christian was given that seal, that scroll, and he was told you exchange it, exchange it at the gate of the celestial city. What do you hope to give as your claim to enter the celestial city? Thank you also very much for joining us today. I think this has been another beautiful session, and I pray that the blessing of this session will abide with all of us. Uh, we are going to sing this hymn to close this session. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? You know, many questions raised in this hymn, and as we sing it, I invite you to actually ponder on these questions. Have you been to Jesus? Are you daily walking by the Savior's side? These are questions that uh, we should be we should be praying that the Holy Spirit indeed will ask us every new day. Right. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washing the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood? In the blood, in the soul, cleansing blood. grace to answer those questions faithfully every moment of life in jesus name amen we, we are meeting next saturday by the grace of god august 5 8 p.m and we'll be reading the text on the hill difficulty the hill difficulty and we're going to find out christian 
and hypocrisy and formalism, how they made different decisions on how to approach the hill difficulty. Uh, Sister Esther Mosogbe, are you still there? Uh, say the closing prayer, please, if you're still there. Okay. Father, we thank you. We give you praise thank you, for our lesson today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for all that you have exposed us to this evening. Oh, Lord, be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we pray for grace to keep walking on this journey. We know we are pilgrims. And our goal is to get to your kingdom. Oh, yes. Lord, we Lord. pray in the name of Jesus that we will not be tired, we will not be weary. Amen. Lord, we pray that we will not live a double life. Amen. But our life will be pleasing to you and you alone in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we pray just like the psalmist that you will search us, O oh Lord, mm-hmm. and see our thoughts. See Please. if there is any wicked way in us, O oh mm-hmm. Lord and lead us in the Amen. way everlasting. Amen. This is our prayer, O oh God, that day in, day out, you continually search us. Day in, day out, you continually expose us to the cross Amen. and help us, O oh Lord, not to miss our steps in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, in this journey, help us, keep us strong, keep us looking unto you, the author and finisher of our faith. Help us, O oh God, that whenever we stumble, we go to you for that cleansing, mm-hmm. and your blood will make us clean and whole in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, Lord, we pray that as we enter into the new month, it's a blessed month for us Amen. in Jesus' name. Amen. We pray for our facilitator, that, Lord, you continually strengthen and uphold him in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for answering our prayers. Thank you. Commit ourselves to your hands. That you will keep us from falling. Amen. Thank you, Ancient of this function and prayers. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Thank you so very much, Sister Mosogbe. Thank you, Sister Bionne Seka. Thank you, Doc. Uh, we need to catch up, Doc, at some point, but we've just been <laughs> relating online there. Thank you, Volanley. Thank you, Domi. I hope you're feeling stronger now. And Sister Lady, too. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Sister MC. Always a pleasure having you. Uh, thank you, Venerable, right there uh, at gospelbestcd.com. Thank you, Mommy OG. Thank you, Tutu. Thank you also. Now, I'm going to ask your name. Okay. Uh, this is Mommy Okuboyejo. Thank you very much for joining us. And also, okay, let me see if I get uh, I have to get your full names. So thank you very much. And for those who did not text, what who listen, who are out there listening, thank you also very much. God bless you. Good. Wish you a wonderful week ahead. I'm going to play this song now. I'm thine, O Lord, draw me nearer. Lord, to the cross where Thou hast died. 
Please. 